a feel-good pod, meat and potatoes, NFL, NBA, and digital world talk. And no days off. Yeah, this is entertaining. It's not going to count, but keep it rolling. And with the Benny Hill music playing in the background, (laughs) this game is over, thankfully. And we're back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. John, a lot to talk about. NFL, Black Friday, NBA, in-season ratings, and what's next with the NBA deal. Netflix, Apple, MLS, Sports Illustrated, Carissa Thompson, and Amando Mailbag. Amando Mailbag. Glad to see this make a return to the uh, to the pod. But let's get started. Who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Andrew, got to start on this one. My who's up? Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Chris Collinsworth, Kevin Burkhart, and Greg Olson. Why? Because they're all off. And good for them. I mean, they make millions and millions of dollars to call NFL games and then you get days off. I'm, that's a good deal. I mean, that this past week, Collinsworth, he did Thanksgiving, uh, then had Sunday off. Jason Garrett's in for him. Nance and Romo, they did a double duty. A lot of strain here. They did three games in eight days. That's incredible. I mean, people do baseball every single day in different cities all over the place in the <laughs> NBA. And uh, there's all kinds of people with crazy schedules. But three games in eight days for Jim Nance and Tony Romo. And then Burkhardt and Olsen, they did the Thanksgiving Day game off Sunday. Bad slate. You know, we have the Al Michaels rule now. Bad slate last this past Sunday for uh, Burkhardt and Olsen this upcoming Sunday. Told the excuse besides the fact it's the Super Bowl year, uh, bad slate for CBS. So Nance and Romo off. If you, listen, Nance and Burkhardt, they have other jobs. They do golf. They do baseball. Nance did do basketball. Burkhardt has done some hoops um, in terms of college studio. So the fact that they work a full year, get a day, week off, okay, maybe. The other guys, I mean, they were in half the year, making uh, all of them making eight figures, 10 million or more. Uh, with Rome at the top there, 18 million all in each year. Um, so getting a day off. I mean, if one person's off, then the other one could work. I mean, I, that, that's how I would work it. You know, sometimes people need days off for, for different reasons. But listen, all power to them. Like, I don't begrudge them. If they can get these games off, it's a lot of games. I don't want these guys to be tired. And let's face it, I think what we have here is load management has hit sports broadcasting. <laughs> you don't know. I mean, we all tune in for these guys, and now you don't know if they're going to be there. It's like the same problem as the NBA. You don't know. Are you going to get these guys? Because they might need a day off because we got to rest them uh, so they're they're ready each week. Who's down, Andrew? It has to be Mike Tirico. He needs a better agent. He's working all the way through. I think Tirico loves it. Tirico, I will. I'll give him credit. He used to, uh, when Al Michaels was still doing NBC, and he was kind of in that on-deck circle, he used to do some Westwood One radio. He's doing the Olympics, and then you know, which is old school. That's how Marv Albert used to do it, and and all of them. But Tirico, he likes to work. But yeah, I mean, he doesn't have that sweet deal uh, that that some of these other guys have with the uh, these days off. My who's up is Sean McManus. He is the chairman of CBS Sports, and on Tuesday of this week, what seems like the entire sports business attended a luncheon at Cipriani in New York City to benefit the March of Dimes. And Sean McManus has chaired that lunch for the last quarter century. Well, uh, McManus is retiring as chairman of CBS Sports in the spring, a story that you broke uh, back in September. 
which pissed me off because I wanted to break that story, Andrew, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, anyway, over the last 25 years or so, Sean has turned this event into one of the hottest tickets in the business. And I'm not overstating things. I've seen people who, who can get Super Bowl tickets at the drop of a hat beg to get tickets to get into this room for this lunch. Name names. Well, nobody this year. I was trying to get a ticket this year, but the pod came first. Pod came first. All right. Fine. <laughs> when, uh, when McManus started as uh, chair of this event, it raised less than $150,000. And on Tuesday, it's going to pull in more than $1 million. Uh, David Burson, he's going to replace uh, McManus next year. But I wanted to give a nod to Sean for using his position at CBS Sports to turn this event into such a big deal. Yeah, that's a great cause, and that is great uh, to hear, and that's a tremendous who's up. All right, my who's down, Desmond Howard of ESPN's College Game Day on Saturday. They were at Michigan, uh, which has been the center of college football because of the sign-stealing caper um, and shenanigans. Um, which, you know, there's a lot of opinions on uh, ESPN's college football insider, Pete Thamel, who's on game day has been um, all over it along with other reporters, but one of the reporters reporting uh, heavily on it, um, which uh, as Reese Davis noted in this clip about the play, the fringe element um, was uh, sending messages to Thamel. So ESPN smartly took it seriously. Desmond Howard did not though. So we've been doing this 12, 13 weeks. He's always been in the crowd giving his reports. I'm like, what the hell is Pete in the stadium for? I don't know. That kind of just threw me all off. Like, put your big boy pants on, do it in the crowd like you usually do it. Hey, come on, man. I mean, surprised by that. Yeah. He's gotten from the lunatic friends some friends yeah. who are taking care of it. security, all. we'd be okay. Yeah. Yeah. These guys are nice out here. These are nice fans. They're not going to do anything. It only takes one. Yeah, That's yeah. all. No, no, we'd be okay. With big boy pants on. And here's the problem with what Desmond had to say. I mean, you got to take threats seriously, unfortunately. Um, you know, yes, it seems like they're, you know, mostly are not acted on. Uh, but if you're ESPN and Pete Thamel is getting threats. You can't put him in the crowd with with Michigan. And I know Desmond Howard went to Michigan, um, but he's got to be a little bit more self-aware. And if you want to, like, joke about that, maybe off air, but on air, uh, make your teammate look bad, uh, that's just not good. Um, and, and, and Desmond Howard should have known better. Uh, he's wrong, first off, because the reasoning for why ESPN did it makes perfect sense. Uh, and secondly, even if you felt like, oh, he should be out there, who cares about threats, um, you should say it to him off the air and not make your teammate look bad. So my who's down is Desmond Howard. My who's down, Andrew, is the Arena Group. That's the group that runs Sports Illustrated. And this is, I think, the easiest who's down in the history of the Marshanna Noran Sports Media Podcast. Uh, I usually like to highlight a person instead of a company or a group in the, the who's up and who's down. But Arena Group, they keep putting out statements attributed only to unnamed spokespeople. So it's it's the entire uh, group that should be taken to task on this. We're going to talk about the scandal later on. It's a topic in the pod. Uh, basically, Sports Illustrated used AI stories and AI generated reporters without alerting uh, readers to it. But for my who's down, I just wanted to focus on one aspect of this story, uh, which was reported by a publication called Futurism. Uh, Futurism wrote, quote, 
After we reached out with questions to the magazine's publisher, the Arena Group, all the AI-generated authors disappeared from, from Sports Illustrated's site without explanation. Our questions received no response. Andrew, like we know, that's not how a reputable publisher acts. No doubt about it. Maybe AI wrote the statement. <laughs> they could have. They could have. All right. We will get to that when we get further into the topics. But let's start with topic number one. We said a feel-good pod, meat and potatoes. So in, there's no more meat and potatoes topic in sports media. The number one topic is NFL. And let's start here. Uh, first off, Thanksgiving ratings, you know, unbelievable from Fox to CBS, NBC, all of them. Black Friday uh, ratings are coming out a little bit later in the week. So as we uh, do the pod, we don't have the numbers yet. Um, but Amazon's Black Friday, I mean, that was the big story. Uh, last week we had Jay Marine on. Go back and listen. He's the head of Amazon Global Sports. Um, and we had him talking about what they're doing with Black Friday, what they're doing with the NFL, their plans in terms of their hopes for the NBA, and um, a lot of other topics. So you should go back and listen to that. Black Friday, I will say, I think that's success. Like we haven't seen the numbers yet, but I will say the idea of the QR codes and the deals, I, I, I feel like it adds up. Um, what's your take? I actually attended the game. Um, uh, I drove up from DC uh, with, with my son and, and took it in. And uh, judging by the people from Amazon who are in attendance, Andy Jassy, the CEO of Amazon, was there Mike Mike Hopkins, who runs all of Prime Video, was there. Jay Marine was there. Marie Donahue was there. Everybody sort of uh, uh, associated with Amazon. This is a big deal to a three trillion dollar company. And so, you know, uh, what defines success to me? The, just the fact that they were lending all of that support to this event means that it's coming back next year and the next year and the next year and. I'm curious to see what the numbers are this year, but I can bet you that next year that it's going to even grow beyond that and in the following year as well. Amazon is, uh, it appears to be really committed to this, regardless of what the numbers come out. It was something that was unique and it it dominated the uh, sports talk for that that Friday, which which the NFL has never quite done before. And not only because of the uh, the fail Mary, what are you calling that? The fail Mary? The uh, some people call it the hell Mary. Hell Mary. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. Uh, yeah, the Jets. I did text somebody from Amazon during it. Can you know? And other people, I think, tweeted this. So I can't say I'm the only one who had this thought. But can you return the Jets uh, on Black Friday because they didn't really show up? Overall, though, I I think success. Like I think it works. I think people. I can see this becoming a thing. They had a pretty good matchup. Obviously, hurt with Aaron Rodgers out. Uh, but overall, uh, the NFL keeps dominating. And we're still a ways away. We're just starting this new deal. But I kind of look at that opt-out in seven years. And I'm thinking, you know, first you're like, no, they got so much money. But I don't know. Things trend this way where other sports are going. And the NFL keeps dominating and growing more. Um, I don't know. That opt-out, again, we're way early on this. Um, but uh, I, I just think that the, it's just incredible. Um, and I think they're just adding another notch. And it's good to see that uh, the NFL and Amazon will infiltrate themselves into people's lives even more. Because you know they haven't done so that thus far that much. You know, Andrew, we keep saying, and you and you just said that um, you know the NFL is dominating, and uh, like if, let's just think about that for a second. Like the games on Thanksgiving 
were not competitive games. Uh, you know, the, the the Packers and the Lions, the Packers were up big. I think the Lions made it close at the, at the end, but it wasn't really a competitive game. The Cowboys crushed the Commanders. Uh, and then the, uh, the 49ers and Seahawks, again, not a competitive game. But if you look at the numbers of people that sat and watched all of these non-competitive games on that Thursday, it really takes your breath away. There's nothing else on TV that uh, that the, delivers those numbers, and there's nothing even close in terms of uh, uh, in terms of other sports that will deliver those numbers outside of the odd playoff game here or there. I mean, these are these are regular season games on on Thanksgiving. The the, the numbers really, if you sit down and take a look at them, they're uh, like it's beyond dominating. It's it's like it's it, it, it's like its own sort of you know, media ecosystem. All right, let's move on to topic two because uh, this is another league that has its own ecosystem but a little bit different uh let's start i think i'd like to do good news bad news all right and let's start with the good news because we are a feel-good positive podcast as always <laughs> you are you're known for that the in-season nba tournament ratings have been really good uh why do you think that's been the case i think that the uh the nba tnt and espn have been really effective in and demonstrating to uh, to casual fans and to hardcore fans that these games, even though they're they're just regular season games, but they're different. I think the idea of of doing these courts, uh, the the different style courts, which some people hate. I've seen uh, I've seen some people like. I I do know when I watch when I've been in a bar and I've watched it, it jumps out of the TV screen at you as something that's just completely different. And and we got through the round robin stage uh, of of the in season tournament. And uh, people are start slowly starting to figure out, you know, what's happening with these. I think the matchups have been very good and the stars have come out. The, the, the Lakers have had a rather pedestrian start to the season. They're undefeated so far in the in-season tournament. This is something that LeBron James like uh, apparently covets and, and, and wants to do well in. And, uh, and so you have player buy-in, you have fan buy-in and you have the, the networks and the leagues that, that have been really effective in making this feel different and unique from regular November regular season games. Yeah, the courts are very smart, uh, especially uh, for television, because you know if you want to make this something that has history to it, when you look back at highlights that they look different than a regular game, even a playoff game, a regular season game, I think that's really smart. Um, it's an alternative look, so it gives you a different feel. And I also think... Like one of the beauties of baseball, for example, is that you have different stadiums. So Camden Yards is different from Fenway Park, you know, is different from Target Field. And that's something special about baseball. And you can't do it. You still can't do that as much with basketball. But I think that those that is a very smart thing. Can I throw in one, one yep. more thing on that, too, is we just got through the, the, the round robin stage, as, as I said. Wait until the it's single elimination. And as it, they get closer to the the in-season championship and the in-season semis, which are going to be held in Las Vegas, I think then you're really going to see some of these numbers pop. I, I, so I think that these you're going to see these uh, these viewership numbers really increase. And then ESPN and, and TNT, they're going to team up with uh, their studio shows, doing kind of a little switcheroos. And you know, Doc Rivers is going to work for TNT for a game. Reggie Miller is going to come over and work with ESPN for a game. Um yeah, I don't, it's a little, you know, that's something. I'm not sure that's going to, you know, it depends <laughs> how it sounds, quite honestly. Um, but uh, but they're trying to make it as big and different as possible and to buy it. All right, let's get into the rights deal because that's going to, you know, 
I, I don't think those are going to be, if anything's done, it's not going to be till the first quarter of next year. Um, I, you know, I think at this stage, as is usually the case, places are far apart, even if a deal is expected, um, because it's only the window between the NBA and Disney and WBD Sports, and then they can really open it up. And they're definitely going to add a third player. Is it Amazon? Uh, is it NBC? Is it Apple? Do they add two extra players? Um, or, you know, and, or maybe somebody's out. Uh, but uh, that's still to be seen. You know, we talked about Netflix. You had the report that they have some interest in the in-season tournament. I'm not going to say they're not going to get involved. I just find it doubtful. And I do think, I just wonder where the NBA is getting their leverage. Um, I, I think they're going to be fine. But like there, there was a report years ago about them tripling uh, their, what they're getting. I don't think they are. I mean, maybe, I, again, could be proven wrong. But I think with these companies tightening their budgets a little bit, the nature of the NBA as compared to the NFL in terms of, you know, the only really event coverage you have is the playoffs and, you know, they're trying to make the in-season tournament that as well. But the NFL's event cover is events every week. You know, even if the games aren't as good, it's just the way the presentation of it, it's only three hours and et cetera. And every game has that much more importance. So I do think like, you don't know about Apple, but I'd also be a little hesitant about Apple um, if I'm the NBA uh, for a variety of reasons. Before I go further, what do you think? So where does the NBA get the leverage? I think you just went through where, where their leverage is. There, there are more uh, bidders right now than there are packages that, that, that are available. And the NBA has, you know, the, the their playoffs. Wait, let, me, let, me, let me interrupt you for a second. So when you look at the ESPN package, who do you think is vying also for that ESPN package? I don't know yet. So, so uh, hold on a second. I'm going to go down. Okay, because you didn't give me a, you didn't give me any. Oh, 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 oh! I see. I see where you're going on this. I was going to take it in a different, in a different okay. order. ESPN wants a big package, which includes the the NBA Finals uh, and and a considerable amount of the playoffs. Turner wants a big package that includes a considerable amount of the playoffs, pretty much what they what they already have, the All Star Game and and some of the other tentpole programming. Uh, Amazon wants a considerable package, which Jay Marine last week, as as the big get said, includes a considerable amount of the uh, of the playoffs. You have three really big media companies: Warner Brothers Discovery, Disney, and Amazon, that are vying for a limited uh, piece of real estate in, in the NBA playoffs. That's if you're the NBA, that's great. I mean, we've been talking about the overall market and and how depressed that overall market is. Let's say Turner says it's too rich for our bloods, we're out, and you only have Amazon and ESPN, then all of a sudden the leverage turns. But as long as you have you have those three, NBC has been saying that they're, that they're in the wings. Google is a is a, is a potential uh, a possibility out there. Um, it, right now, it looks really really good for the NBA, despite the overall headwinds in the uh, in the sports media business. Okay, well, I think that you disagree. Well, no, I think they're going to do well. I've said this forever. They're going to do well. By the way, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to triple. They're not going to triple. Will they double? I'm not sure they're going to double. I mean, I guess they're adding a third. They're just not, I don't know. I mean, they're trying to create more inventory with the in-season tournament, trying to make those games more important. But like, it's not, let's say Amazon, for example, or Apple did a Thursday night game. Like that's not in the same hemisphere as NFL Thursday night football. I mean, the audience. Not even close. It's 10 times as much. So you could argue they should get 10 times less amount of money. Um, <laughs> you add in the playoffs. You add in the playoffs. 
and you get some playoff games. Those are worth something. Um, but if you're just giving the old NBA TV games to like Amazon or Apple, those aren't worth as much. Those are like the, you know, also rands of the playoff games. So I just think it's a little bit hard. They have a lot, but I, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is Apple's a wild card. It's hard to predict what they, um, you know, do because of their secrecy. There are some things that point to them as being players um, in the NBA circles, but it also doesn't fit what they really want to do in terms of owning everything. Um, and I also would be a little scared. You're the NBA. I'm not comparing the NBA to MLS, but there is zero buzz about the MLS playoffs on Apple. Zero. Now, I know Messi's not involved, and if Messi was involved, maybe there's more buzz, but I get it. There are diehard MLS fans who are listening and, and watching and are interested, but you know, you cut out ESPN, you cut out the Foxes, and I get it. That wasn't necessarily working either, but it just like the the setup of the league might be the issue because the playoffs, you know, it's it, it's an American way of doing playoffs, and that's not how it's done basically everywhere else in the world in terms of soccer. Um, but I'd be a little careful about that if I'm the NBA in terms of Apple. I'm not sure that, um, you know, they are the elixir that they might present themselves as in terms of the future. Well, there, there are a couple of uh, Easter eggs that we've gotten over, like when we when I did the interview with uh, Bill Koenig, who's the top media executive at the NBA, he said that the definition of reach is really starting to change. And so what, 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 what I take that to mean is that the idea that you reach the most people via broadcast when... Amazon Prime has more than 200 million worldwide subscribers, or I'm not quite sure what that number is, but mm -hmm. it's it's massive. It's something that, you know, an ABC, Fox, CBS can't actually provide. It can go international. Um, all of and the, the other aspect of the NBA deal, all of their international rights are, are, are going to end at the same time. So when you think about a big company like Apple, all of a sudden, if you get a, a Thursday night package or a Friday night package, and you're able to get all of the worldwide rights. And so you can be anywhere in the world and watch it. Like how much would they value that? And and how much does that reach differ from, from sort of what, uh, what, what we're used it to. Doesn't, I, and I agree with you and I, and that does make sense. And that's a very strong uh, point by the NBA, which is you could probably, I would say the most international of the major sports. I mean, I, I'm a soccer guy, so let me be clear. Soccer is the most international, but the NBA is, you know, in terms of the four major traditional American sports, NBA is probably the biggest around the world, um, I'd say followed by baseball and hockey. And then that's where the NFL is kind of trying to catch up um, in terms of, you know, global appeal and maybe has room for growth. Um, but so, yeah, that your point is well taken, uh, but they were selling those before. It's not like they, they weren't being sold previously. No, no, they, they, but, but they were selling them country by country to, you know, to, to various aspects and they have a big business. NBA has a big business, NBA Africa, uh, of course, everything that they're doing in China as well. So, so it would take a really big bid by one of these companies to, to get it. Luckily, these companies have market caps that are well over a trillion dollars. All right, let's hit a couple of others. All right, start with NASCAR and then we'll get to the, uh, NCAA football playoffs. NASCAR, we've been talking about the NASCAR media deal for months. It's finally here. So NASCAR is re-upping with Fox. They're re-upping with NBC. So the main races are still going to be on broadcast TV in, uh, in in the United States, Fox and NBC. 
And then they have a mid-season package of races. Going to be, uh, I'm told, 10 races. Uh, they're going to split that between Turner and Amazon uh, and, and sort of move forward with four uh, different media companies. Um, I think what NASCAR really ran into is what we talked about a little bit with the NBA. They hit a market that just where, where the TV, traditional TV companies are really tightening their purse strings. And so they what what the, what they expected to, to happen months ago, they expected this to come at the end of spring, the, the, these deals. And it just took a long time and they had to get Turner involved. They had to get Amazon involved. They had to increase the number of races in the mid-season package in order to try to get the dollars up to where it, it, it makes sense for them. I think at the end of the day, it, it's a good deal for NASCAR. And that's significant. Amazon getting involved. Um, we see their growth of sports. And even though people who listen every week to the pod, you're a big believer of like, they should start at the Super Bowl. It's actually <laughs> not how things work in the real world. You start smaller and then you build up. Um, and so they're getting their foot in, developing that relationship. And you could see potentially, if it works, the next deal um, where Amazon gets a bigger piece of the pie and where things could end up going. Fair? The opt out there. I will say there are plenty of examples, Fox being the, uh, possibly the most recent one of, of companies coming in and getting a big piece of the NFL uh, without sort of having to start small. I know that was, it was uh, 1993, was 30, 30 years ago. Well, you keep going back to the 80s on ESPN getting started with the But NFL. it was a different. No, but then it's a three trillion dollar company. They can afford to really make a big, uh, a, a big investment in the NFL. They the NFL they spent there. Billion, they're spending a billion dollars a year. For the worst pack. Right. Hey, let's go. The ratings to, are really good. Uh, the ratings have been uh, beyond good. Yeah. Let's go to uh, another rights deal. Uh, the NCAA um, college football playoff. What are you hearing on that? So I think the bigger issue um, might be that there's two years now where they're going to add playoffs, um, where there's games that can be um, bought uh, either by ESPN, Fox, WBD, Amazon. I'm sure the others have talked, but those seem to be the major players. The issue is, is that nobody really, I don't think, wants to just do like a two-year deal for these early round games without going into um, you know, further down the road and get some guarantees about getting either the national championship or the semifinals. And so um, I think that's why it's going a little bit slower. Uh, not, and I also, you know, we've talked about it, the market's tight. Like it, do people want to pay this big number? Yeah, they want, they all want the national championship. I mean, I'd say ESPN's the favorite, um, but, and that's where like the baseball opt-out could come into play where, you know, in two years they can opt out of their MLB deal. And that's, $500 million. Now I would suspect they'd want to stay with MLB and an MLB would want ESPN. However, maybe they renegotiate because you free up some of that money for either the NBA or for college football, um, which I think they'd prefer probably if they had to, you know, pick one or the other. Uh, so I think that's where that stands. You agree? Could you imagine if you're at Warner Brothers Discovery and you get an early round college football playoff, but you have, it's just a one-off game in an early round or two, 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 uh, two one-off games in an early round. And you don't build anything. Uh, they're, they're not going to do these deals unless there's a promise of getting to a semifinal or getting to a, the, to uh, a championship eventually. So the, the two years is really uh, harmful uh, for that. Uh, I would expect if this deal gets done, 
it would almost certainly have to be Fox, which is deep in the uh, into uh, college football right now, and ESPN, which of course is deep into the uh, or, or owns all of the college football playoff. All right, let's uh, before we get to the Mando mailbag and we finish things up, let's get into the controversial stories of the last couple of weeks. Uh, Sports Illustrated, it was your who's down um, with uh, the Arena Group using AI, apparently, reportedly, according to the Futurist, um, to write stories. Uh, you know, this is something that's going to be a reoccurring theme, you know, as AI gets even, you know, more prolific and can do podcasts like the, uh, that was, that was everyone, all broadcasters listening to be like, that was that guy's impersonation. Okay. This guy critiques us, but that was my impersonation of an AI doing the Martian and, and Orion sports media podcast. Can, can I do an impersonation? Yeah, go ahead. Worst, worst package, package ever. ever. <laughs> <laughs> Riz, Riz Ripley, Ripley, who's down? AI could do this. Yeah, my, my who's, who's down, down is Chris, Chris Ripley. Ripley. <laughs> so let's talk about, you You hit it on the head, but I mean, do we, where do we see this going? It feels like at least thus far, I think, you know, others have done this too. Every time it happens, it seems like a failure so far. We're all focused on on AI and the threat that AI uh, brings to you know to, to reporters and the bylines and this this puts it out there. But this is also like a a company that's not a traditional publisher that doesn't have journalism in its blood that uh, that doesn't doesn't really understand what what goes in, in into reporting and writing. And I think that's why. You saw, and, and with our next topic too, it kind of flows in why so many reporters, especially as Sports Illustrated reporters, if you saw on Threads or you saw on X, really came out and pub- publicly, you know, bashed their uh, the, their parent company o- over this. It's it's because the the parent company isn't a journalism company. It's a company that's designed to to, to make money. Not that journalism companies don't want to make money, but but they they don't have journalism at, at their core. I agree. And Sports Illustrated, um, I think for, you know, you know, you're as we, everyone knows, you're much older than I am. But the we grew up on, you know, Sports Illustrated was a place you wanted to to um, to end up at. And, you know, it, and it, and it still is. They still have some great writers at, at SI. Um, so it's a shame because, you know, they get stained uh, because of the company, you know, and what they're doing. And, and there's still great work done um, by SI people. And, and by the way, do we know if Jimmy Train is a real person? <laughs> I I have actually seen him at an event, so I think he is. But I have I, seen him, but I'm still not positive Jimmy Train is a real person. I'm not gonna I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna need proof of that. Andrew, can I bore listeners uh, with with one quick Sports Illustrated story? Sure. I've been a subscriber since 1973, and so if you go to my childhood bedroom, which we talked about in uh, last week, I have every single sports illustrator from like 73 through 89 categorized by cover by sport and i remember this was back in like the early 80s all of a sudden baseball there was there was many more baseball covers than nfl but at at, at some point like there became more nfl covers than than, than baseball it's I, i'm a as sports illustrator in my in my blood i love everything about that brand and kind of seeing this story come out there it really like it hurts everybody that's about our age that that like grew up on them. Yeah, and by the way, I was born in '74, so you have been 
subscribing to Sports Illustrated longer than I've been alive. My, my, my older brother's got that. Well, let's let's go into the the next one. We didn't have a, a chance to talk about it last week because it happened after we taped the podcast. But uh, Carissa Thompson going on a barstool podcast and essentially saying that on occasion when she wasn't able to get in front of a coach, she kind of made up, not kind of, she said she made up what the coach said. She since came out with a statement that said that she used a poor choice of words. What do you think about that, Andrew? Yeah, she said it on uh, part of my take. Um, and I think, you know, she's trying to be fun and cool because, you know, it's kind of a relaxed setting. But I think what, first off, you have to understand is no matter what setting you're in, it's broadcast to the whole world. So, um, so just like saying it in that setting and then they like, um, they're, you know, they put the excerpt basically on the internet and, um, and it went with wildfire. I went back and listened to the whole thing and actually it was worse because it's not like they set it up, like, you know, tell us some crazy story or something that's gonna get everyone upset. She sort of just kind of volunteered it. Um, and so look, I get it. You know, then there's a piling on on Twitter and it feels like everyone's like kind of treating this like, um, you know, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And I don't think necessarily that's the case. But the reason the piling on is is because it is terrible. Like you can't make things up. The media already does have a bad reputation overall because of our political landscape and Quite honestly, sometimes it's earned. Like, I don't think the media does a good enough job overall in a lot of cases. And it's case by case. Um, there are great reporters at most publications, and then there's some that aren't as great. And there's processes that aren't as good. Um, but you can't make it up. Like, that. that's the thing about it. Um, that, you know, for people who are like, you know, I get it. Non-journalists, like, who cares? It's only the NFL. But it's just like you have to there you you have a trust and like that's all we have like all we have Joel Sherman um you know New York Post uh baseball columnist you know said this to me years ago all you have is your reputation and you know nobody's perfect but like Carissa Thompson's reputation now is always going to have that that she just makes things up you see like now people making jokes all the time on Twitter and you know maybe it will fade but it just hurts her profession. And the reason there was such outrage from other sideline reporters is because they're trying to do their jobs correctly. Um, and there is sometimes um, a feeling as if like, um, or a perception that their jobs are just like unneeded. Um, you know, CBS years ago got rid of the sideline reporters um, and then they brought them back. Uh, and so, and here's the other thing about it. If the coach doesn't stop, there's other ways to report things and do your job, you know, like that, that to me also is kind of one of the issues with what she said and how she did her job is that you, there's other things to notice um, when you're on the sideline and that comes to being a reporter and not just a television performer. And I think that's where um, she lost a lot of people. Let's talk about fallout from this. Uh, uh, Carissa Thompson's no longer a sideline reporter. She's a studio host, uh, uh, for the uh, for Amazon and their Thursday Night Football and for uh, one of Fox's uh, NFL pregame shows. Does she keep those jobs going into next year? Yeah. I mean, she's got the right employers. Like if it was ESPN, I think the reaction, I mean, they've kind of changed over the years, but I think they might have reacted differently um, because they take it more seriously. Um, and I think Carissa Thompson's good on the air. Like, I mean, the job as a host, it's not journalism necessarily. It's sort of 
you know, it's, it's move, it's, it's being able to move the conversation, being smooth on the air. Um, it's your presentation. Uh, and so she does a good job with that stuff. I've, I, you know, I, I've, I've thought that for a while. Um, and she's, you know, I heard from some of her colleagues, she's well-respected by the people she works with. That said though, uh, you know, she has the right employers, um, who didn't want to make a change and didn't take, you know, too much issue with it. Um, even, and it was a long time ago, but like, it's just, you just can't do it. And I, I get it. And she felt free to say it. Um, and it doesn't like, you know, she hit it. Does that make it better? I don't know. But it's just like to say it. So the other thing is to say it so casually was kind of like not thinking it was that like, oh, I haven't gotten fired yet for saying this. I said it before, which she apparently did with Aaron Andrews on, on their podcast. Um, to say it so casually too, is like kind of a bad sign. Um, that you just sort of like, you know, if you or I said that again, our jobs are different, but like, it's just credibility wise. And I get it that some people say, oh, not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal because a lot of people think the media makes things up. I mean, that's one of the problems in like the world right now um, is that there's no arbiter, like the media in theory should be the arbiter of the truth. And, you know, especially because of social media, this is something we can talk about longer and maybe we, one day we will, but, you know, there's just not like this definitive what's true and what's not now because of the internet and we don't need to add it to and we just owe it to ourselves like we know what we do and to me it's very bad i i can't say it's uh i can't like be like ah oh, it's just sideline reporting not to me i mean if she can you know if if we're going to consider uh people on the sideline and people on the air you want to trust that what they're telling you even if it is mundane i get it it's mundane and stupid she wasn't making up the pentagon papers or anything that important but it's still to me um was it's just it's bad yeah my, my final thing on this is i i've been struck at the passion that sideline reporters have talked about this i was at a an event at the university of maryland uh, where uh, david aldridge who used to be an nba sideline reporter for turner i think he, he did it for a little while for uh, espn as well he got emotional talking in front of the crowd sort of about what he did and 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 how that's uh, that admission really hurt him and affected him and sort of demeaned his career. I think that we've seen um, Andrew Kramer come out and and try to really talk so passionately about you know what what's their their career work and uh, and that's that's what what has given this story so much so many legs is that there are so many uh, well respected sideline reporters. That are not letting this lie. That are coming. That 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 are coming out. I'm I'm a. What, what I'm curious about is to see how long this continues. Will it continue into next season? Because if it does, if it does continue into next season at the same sort of a, a vociferousness that, that 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 there is right now, uh, th there is a good possibility that Fox and and Amazon might say this isn't worth the trouble. Yeah, I don't think they will, but we shall see. All right, let's get into. The Mando Mailbag. You've got mail. All right, listen, we got a couple of things to hit here. Uh, we'll start with John Kitzman, uh, who is a big listener of the program. Uh, every Wednesday morning, he said he listens. Um, he works in Division Two sports. And a very nice email he sent us. Uh, he said this. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the NCAA recently went to direct con to consumer with D2 national championships. Those broadcasts are now behind a paywall with various pricing, day, entire championship, et cetera. You both have talked about the trade-off between revenue and reach. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the NCAA taking this approach with D2. 
Um, look, we could get specific in the D2, but I mean, when you look at that and understand that, I don't know, to me, it seems like the advertise, you know, how much money are they going to make? And, you know, like it depends what their choices were. You know, I think some of those championships have been on, you know, network television before. Um, I think the exposure is probably be is worth more than trying to get the, uh, you know, shekels from, you know, some of the parents and friends and family that you're going to get if that's the case, they, the team's in there. Um, what says you? Yeah, I, I would agree, especially when it comes to Division two sports exposure and, and, and putting your, your sport in front of as many people as you can at as low a price point as you can is always better than, than taking a uh, taking a check. Uh, in, in fact, if you take a look, even at the big leagues, the NFL, we talked about earlier how dominant it is. It has, from the, the Pete Rozelle days, prioritized broadcast television. I mean, there was a time when, when David Levy ran Turner, they were bidding a lot of money to try to get a, get a package, but the, the NFL always wanted to stay on broadcast television to prioritize that reach. And we see how that's benefited. Uh, that's one of the reasons that the NFL has benefited. I got to imagine the uh, Division Two would would you know it's, I'm not suggesting they would be the NFL, but they they would certainly would benefit from that as well. Well, that's why the bundle works. Because for example, the other day, um, Peter Body, fine uh, sports writer for the Post, um, was watching uh, North Carolina Hofstra, um, which to go to the Elite Eight in men's. NCAA soccer. He texted me Hofstra penalty kicks. And immediately I thought, okay, ESPN plus text him back ESPN plus question mark. He said, yes. And that's where the bundle kind of works. Um, because I get you, I'm getting value from ESPN plus by them having that. Like, and I don't think they're probably spending a lot for the NCAA men's tournament, um, that they're putting on plus there, but like, it's not why someone like me would have it. Um, but if you're in North Carolina, soccer fan or hofstra soccer fan you would but it's like that's where i think um where you look at the little guy yeah it's not going to be worth as much um and it's, it's never been worth that much right but, but like i do think there's going to be this rebundling that will happen and it's important to be in some place that you know that everyone has and that's when you get the espn direct to consumer if they have all the products so that you become for lack of a better term the netflix of sports who won hofstra Nope, North Carolina. Oh, God. And these guys kept, kept talking too much. Just say, like, go take your penalty kick, make it, and go back to, you know, you don't have to talk before and after, right? You're, it's, it's just, I, I could do without that. All right, question. Right, item number two. All right, our next one comes from Andrew Stolowitz off of Twitter. He says, question for you and Andrew. Uh, he's addressing it to you, John, about everyone's favorite topic, Diamond Sports. Do you think? Companies situation with MLB rights would improve if sport had revenue sharing models similar to NFL or NBA, given most of their clubs operate in small markets, aren't high payroll. John, I, I know what I think. What do you think? Uh, oh, I think, of course, uh, it would have improved a, a little bit. But there, there are so many different things at play here. One is that uh, Sinclair got those RSNs, the number two bidder was MLB. So MLB really wanted those RSNs and MLB has been really at the forefront of the of NBA and NHL and all, all the leagues that really have these local rights in terms of trying to get control of these rights. They see what everybody else is seeing. There is a big transition that's happening from traditional television to streaming and and the, the, the Major League Baseball 
wants to control those rights as as that's happening. And Major League Baseball, as opposed to really every other league, has a big history through um, Major League Baseball Advanced Media, BAM. You know, they, they've been at the forefront of streaming technology, of media uh, rights, and 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 uh, and moving things forward that way. So I I think regardless of of uh, the, that structure, Major League Baseball would be going down this road. I agree. Now the question is though, will the big markets really play? If you you know had one you know way to buy all the teams, you know will the Yankees who you know already have um, twenty one games on Amazon. Um, per year, Amazon Prime Video and Amazon has an ownership stake in the Yes Network. Um, you know, would they be as part of a package? Mm. I've had somebody very smarter in the regional sports uh, business telling me that eventually they'll have to. Um, yeah, they'll have to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Look, I don't know the, if they do it though. They're worth so much more. How can they? I mean, they'd have to get an unequal share, which the, person... the well, well, the same headwinds that are hitting everybody else. That's going to hit the Yes Network. They're losing subscribe. They're not this year, probably not in two years, but at some point they're they're going to they're they're facing the same cord cutting and cord shaving that the entire business is. So is Nesson. So is so is the Dodgers. So is uh so, so is Chicago. So at some point. They, they still have a lot more leverage than, say, the Kansas City Royals or the Milwaukee Brewers. But at some point, they will have to get get, get involved, I would think. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the Martian and Oran Sports Media Podcast. We want to thank uh, AC Wyatt for putting everything together. The master of the board, Chris Mason, uh, who always uh, gives us all those great drops. Uh, and if you like the pod, you can subscribe, give us a comment. The five stars all appreciated. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. NFL, NBA, the digital world, all that next. And no days off. Did that work? Or you think you're too slow? Was that too slow? <laughs> I thought it might be too slow. I just meant like, you can talk normal with like, all right, let's do it again. It was good, but it was like, I think maybe too It was like very right. dramatic. <laughs> I... Uh, This is drudgery, Andrew. Drudgery.